into the contest. It's Wednesday the 7th of July. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and Shane Lee. How are you, mate? But I'm really good, mate. Really good. Mate, through this period, I, I'm enjoying, obviously, we're getting, getting a bit more time. I'm sitting there with a cup of tea, reading some of your today's tales uh, through your cricketing time, these war stories. The latest one with Richard Chiqui, who I love, and I still remember playing against his brother, Michael, who was a talented cricketer, whacked yes. me for a century off about seven overs. Um Tell us more about Cheeks. Oh, look, the Cheekweeds were the first um, – well, he was the first Chinese cricketer uh, to play first-class cricket in Australia. He's, he's half Chinese, half Samoan. But Cheeks is um, – I think the Cheekweeds were the first Chinese to land in Australia, but they were also, I think, the first to be deported for the use of opium. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I don't know, but, but he, he's, he's a great man, Cheeks. And he was our uh, – in the little article, I talk about how he used to make us eat yum cha all the time. And if you didn't eat the chicken's feet, mate, you had to pay. That's the Cheekwee rule. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I was, I'm big on the dumpling. So where can people read that if they if they want to have a squiz? Yeah, Paul Ryan uh, has a really nice website called Today's Tale. Just go there and look under Shane Lee and there'll be a heap of articles there about, yeah, Michael Bevan and, some, yeah, some crackers, yeah. Yeah, there's some beauties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love them. They're absolute rippers. Okay, coming up on the show today, Rob Tanner, football specialist and Leicester City correspondent for The Athletic. He's all over the English game. Of course, they take on Denmark. Former pro tennis player Jaslyn Hewitt is here with all things Ash Barty. And we have a special treat, Gerald Passy, former French soccer player. Time to talk soccer or football, of course, whichever way you want to refer to it. English soccer fans all around the world, we've got lots of them here in Australia, are just going off because they played Denmark on Thursday after that win on a sweaty old night in Rome. And it's really good to be joined right at the moment by a man that's written about the game, talked about the game for a long time. He writes for The Athletic in London. Rob Tanner, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, guys. How are you? Rob, I'm fantastic. Shane Lee here, mate. Um, yeah, as, as Timmy alluded to, mate, I've played a lot of cricket in England, spent a lot of time there, a lot of English mates here. They're getting very, very excited, aren't they? They are. Um, it's not often that England gets to a semi-final. Um, <laughs> you know, so I know they, they did in the, the last World Cup, but it's been... I mean, the song Three Lions is all about the failures, the historic failures <laughs> of the England national football team, reaching semi-finals or reaching quarter-finals, the penalty shootout, mm. heartache and all that. Um, I know it's perceived sometimes to be a sign of English arrogance saying that it's coming home, but really it's a celebration of all our dismal failures over the years. But uh, there's a feeling and there's a sense that this could be the difference this time. This could be the chance. They won't get a better one, let's be mm. honest. Yep. All their games, except for one, have been at Wembley Stadium and uh, they've got a Denmark side who are very strong, but um, beatable, certainly at Wembley. So um, they feel like they've got a great chance. Yeah, that was a huge win, 4-0 over the Ukraine uh, on the weekend. And uh, Kane, you know, hitting his form over the last couple of games, scored against Germany. Uh, I, I love the whole idea of it's coming home as much as I always go for whoever England are playing, just to, just to shit stir my mates. But, but look, it doesn't really m- matter how you look at it. It's, it's been a bludger of a year for a year and a half, particularly for many parts of England with COVID. It, uh, this is a, a bit of a shiny ball, isn't it? A bit of a rainbow to look at for uh, people that have gone through a bit. Absolutely, yes. And we've had fans back in the uh, in the stadiums as well, which is, uh, mm. is so welcome. I mean, covering games in empty stadiums, it's just a soulless experience. I, I think the big appeal of the Premier League in particular is the atmospheres in the stadiums in, in England. Um, they're always red hot uh, atmospheres. And we've missed fans and we've got them back. I mean, it has 
unfortunately led to a third little wave of COVID, but the most <laughs> yeah. vulnerable and the elderly are now are all double jabbed here. So um, I think I don't think there's too much concern about that. But, uh, you know, people are getting together again and mixing and, uh, and going and watching the games together at, at, at little parties, at pubs and stuff. And um, we've missed that over 18 months, but um, hopefully now, we can have a, a big crowd inside Wembley as well. Rob, for our Aussie listeners, mate, the, maybe explain a bit about the Euros. It, it's a big thing. I heard I heard someone refer to the Euros a bit like picking up a girl and just getting a kiss where the World Cup's like going all the way. How, how, would, how, how would you put it? The World Cup is the, the, the big one, isn't it? But uh, if you obviously you're drawing nations from all around the world and you've got the South American threat in there as well. But um, mm. the Euros is really competitive. All the sides are strong. Uh, even like, I mean, you know, some of the smaller nations. I mean, you look at the achievement of of Wales in the last two European Championships. I mean, that's a, a relatively small nation, mm. but you know they've got some great players and they've done really well. The format of this one, because usually it's like the World Cup, one country hosts it. The format of this one has been bizarre. It was a Michelle Platini um, idea to, to spread it all across Europe and not have a host country. But it's been quite unfair in a lot of countries and it's favoured England massively, but also Spain, Italy, Germany. They've all played their group games in their home stadiums. Uh, so that's a massive advantage for them. And obviously the two semis and the final being at Wembley is a huge advantage for England now they've got there. I mean, if they hadn't have won the group, they wouldn't have been at Wembley. So it wouldn't have been a help. And arguably their best performance has come in Rome. But um, it has been strange to see some of these countries like flying all over all over Europe, clocking up the, the air miles yeah. and obviously the fatigue that, that brings with it as well. It's not been the fairest of tournaments, but um, it's still a, a very competitive mm-hmm. tournament, the Euros. <laughs> Let, let's get the Rob Tanner crystal ball out. Is it coming, huh? The Italians are strong. The Italians are very strong. And you see their game management in the last 21 minutes of their win the other night when the ball was only in play for nine minutes. There was a lot of stoppages, a lot of injuries, a lot of, a lot of play acting. They, they, when they get, their, get in front, the Italians know how to see out a game. So I, I, Denmark, everybody will want Denmark to win that uh, because of what happened with Christian Eriksen in the mm. opening game as well. Uh, so while England might have home advantage and the home crowd, I think the rest of Europe will be willing Denmark on as well. And and they, they've got a cause, haven't they now to do it for Christian. So uh, it's going to be difficult. It's still going to be difficult for them. And we've seen so many false dawns with England. So I'm not going to get ahead. I'm certainly not going to utter those words. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good for him, mate. I, I reckon you're right. I think it's going to be Italy and, um, and England in the final. And, um, I reckon, I reckon the Palms might get there, mate. I'm feeling good about it. Well, ho- home advantage. I mean, obviously, yeah. having Harry Kane firing again is huge yeah. for them. Your, your main focal point. You need your number nine scoring goals, and he certainly looks like he's 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 doing that in the last couple of games. Sterling's been in great form. They've got so many so many great attacking talents. Uh, Jaden Sancho did excellently against Ukraine, but Saka's come in and done really well. Grealish, mm. we've only had one appearance from him, but there's a clamour for him. Um, so, yeah, I think they've got some great attacking options and it's a really strong England squad. Maguire's mm. going to be important at the back. He's been excellent in the last few games since he come back from injury. Um, so they have got the, the strength in depth, but yep. Denmark have got a real team ethic about them, or a real morale about them. They're going to be difficult to break down. And the Italians, similar, no superstars in their side. Uh, but they're just a very effective mm. team. And I'm not writing off the Spanish either. I mean, no. um, they've got some good players, but um, whether they've got like a Harry Kane, that's going to be a focal point to score the goals for. And Morata is hot and cold for them. 
So, but yeah, we're, we're, we're still quietly confident. Yeah, Rob, it is on like Donkey Kong. We'd love to talk to you through the course of the rest of this week and going forward uh, occasionally. We won't hammer your door down too hard, but uh, it's been lovely to chat and uh, thanks for coming on Afternoon Sport. My, my pleasure. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, all the latest from Wimbledon, Ash Barty through to the semis. Jaslyn Hewitt is here. Rugby, it's a game they play in heaven. Look out for our podcast, The Running Game, where Matt Dunning joins me, Tim Gilbert. Each week, we speak to players, coaches and legends of the game. We look at the game from every angle at all levels, from test rugby, the club game, city to country and the way it's played at school. The Running Game. Come find us on your podcast app. It's an exciting time. Uh, Ash Barty is through to the semi-finals at Wimbledon, 50 years after Yvonne Goolagong-Cawley, of course, her fellow Indigenous Australian, won Wimbledon. It's uh, it's an amazing time, Jaslyn Hewitt. Yes, it's so exciting to have uh, Ash go through. I mean, I think it was it was just as good or sweet last night having uh, Isla Tomjanovic and Ash, an all-female Australian quarterfinal. Mm. I don't think it's happened uh for about 80 years or so. So it, it was actually so exciting for them to actually play against each other. But Ash was just too dominant last night. 6-1, 6-3, she beat Isla. Um, Isla's had a fantastic run to make the uh, quarterfinals there, something we haven't seen of her for for a while in a Grand Slam. And, uh, no, it's just phenomenal for, for Ash to be in the semifinal. And two more matches, you never know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. Well, two more matches, but the next one's a big one, Kerber. She's, uh, she knows her way around the court as well. Oh, definitely. This is going to be a, a tough struggle for Ash, the lefty, uh, German lefty here. So she is creative, um, and that's really going to have that swinging lefty serve out into uh, Ash's backhand. But the way that she was able to neutralise um, Isla's serve, I think she'll be able to do that again with uh, mm. Kerber's serve, slice it back, neutralise that, and then be able to start her game on Isla on uh, being more aggressive on the court. So it's definitely going to be troubling for her. It will be probably her toughest match the whole the whole event. But, uh, no, I think, again, like we said about the French Open, we miss that creativeness of the uh, of the women, women's players in the uh, semifinal or the top yeah. four that made it there. But we're actually seeing that again here at Wimbledon, which makes it so exciting. She's the form player, isn't she, Ash? You'd think if you looked at it, she's the form player. One of the things that she needs to get over as well is not get in the way of herself mentally. Yeah, and she's always had the the issues in the last few um, events that she's played about making those matches go to three sets. So this this one this week she's only had the one three setter. However, um, yeah, I think she she's handling the stage the big stage a lot better. Um, if she does get through Kerber, it is going to be a tough final there with Sabalenka and Pliskova um, in the others. So it's probably the best draw that you could you could hope for given uh, given Serena falling out early over the other side as well well so it it is opening up for her but it, it's definitely going to be uh, a lot challenging in these last couple of uh, rounds now jazz uh, looking to the men's side um, a guy I share a birthday with the great Roger Federer 8th of August that's about all I share with him on the tennis court <laughs> <laughs> um, he's still there <laughs> Feds is still going. It's a it's a dream run for him at the moment, and uh, just uh, overnight, uh, Hubert Hugzak 
actually beat Daniel Medvedev, the number two seed. So, and in a tight five setter, which is uh, pretty good for Feds, knowing that he had an easier three set match, and his opponents now backing up a, a tough five setter. So it's it's definitely waiting in Feds's favour coming in, not actually having to play the number two seed now as well. What do you think of the uh, the fight, the the uh, the cat fight, whatever you want to call it, between uh, Isla and Ostapenko? Um, look, I can almost predict what your thoughts were on Ostapenko's injury call. What, what did you make of it all? Yeah, it's, it's just tough. Yeah, you know some of these players' histories and the way they've uh, managed themselves during some matches previously, and that that all is always in the back of your mind when you're playing against someone like that. Um, those numerous players that when I was always watching Leighton as well, that uh, you knew that as soon as the momentum started to really swing, that they'd call for the injury timeout. And it's just really disappointing. But uh, yeah, uh, Isla was four love up in the third set. The momentum was going her way. At four love, it's not a change of ends. It's, you Typically, if you're showing sportsmanship, you'll wait for the change of ends um, and then have them come out. Um, they did spend 15 minutes off the court as well. So it was a wow. big momentum change um, going in there. But She wasn't. So she, There was nothing wrong with her, was there? Well, she, she's still claiming that she was. But Oh, please. Come on. <laughs> Come on. It was the biggest load of bullshit I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe it. I'm glad Isla sort of stood up for herself, to be honest. No, that was fantastic to see. So, yes, definitely that our, our women are strong out there and, and holding their own. Is it, um, Did that breakthrough for, um, for Isla, does that uh... – that must give her a lot of confidence for future tournaments, wouldn't it? Yeah, and especially moving on to uh, Olympics now. So yeah. Olympics and the US Open coming up, the, the other two majors um, this year, and all our Aussies will maintain their uh, their overseas uh, residences wherever they're um, locating themselves mm-hmm. until they uh, until they're allowed back in the country with a two week <laughs> quarantine. So um, with these yeah. frames. Yeah, there's no point in them coming back. But, um, yeah, no, it is it is fantastic for her having those breakthrough wins and, and going so far in a, in a Grand Slam. And um, hopefully she can flag the uh, fly the flag well at the Olympics for us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we will continue to talk about Ash Barty. Got Angelique Kerber. Wouldn't it be great if we could see Ash win Wimbledon? That would uh, certainly uh, brighten the spirits of lots of people that are in lockdown and other circumstances here in Australia. Thanks for that, Jazzy. Thanks, guys. Up next on Afternoon Sport, former French soccer international Gerald Passy pops in. Real unique experience on Afternoon Sport. We have the opportunity to speak to former French soccer player, football player, Gerald Passy in France. How are you, Gerald? Hi, good. Thank you. What have you thought of the Euros? For now, we had, um, I would say, a good Euro, not extraordinary, but a good. The level is correct. Of course, we, we thought we would be able to win this Euro, but we have a Really good team like um, Italy and England. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to give people some perspective, how important is the game of soccer or football, as you call it, to people in France? It's, it's really huge because it's the first sport in France. I think since 1998, we won the, the World Cup. I think there is a, a lot of expectation uh, from football, from the national team. And now people are 
really uh, wanted to see uh, a French team winning a European Cup. You, know? you played a lot of club football in France and had the opportunity to play 11 times for the, the French national team. You played with some absolute superstars in your time. Who stands out for you uh, of those players that you played with? Well, <laughs> my story is uh, that um, when uh, Platini, you know Platini, mm. uh, which was uh, the number 10 of the French team, huge player, when he retired, I started. And I, we had the same place and the same number. So my first match with the French team was the last match for Platini. And for me, Platini is like an idol and I see what he was able to do. His specialty was uh, to give the ball with the foot as you can give the ball with your, with your hand. I mean, he, he was able to give some passes, incredible passes. Even now, uh, since him, I, I don't know another player who is, who is able to do that. And um, he had also uh, something really extraordinary is to have the vision, the complete vision of the of the field, you see. Uh, usually when when you wear the ball or you receive the ball, you make an action. Uh, you have a, a focus who is a, a leader and he had a really huge focus on the on what he can do with uh, with the ball and for the for him and for the other. He's the um, best player that I have made with. It was fantastic. Why is football such a wonderful game? Why is football such a beautiful game? Uh, because everybody can play, you know, uh, and everybody thinks that he can play, which is really different and important. Also, because for me, I mean, in a, in a European and French perspective, it's a the only place where you can, I don't know, shout and live and, uh, you know, dream and uh, enjoy. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Finally, um, it was always in your family, wasn't it? Because your father was a, a Congolese representative, a, a football player. Your, your brother, Frank, a football player. It uh, is like a religion through your family. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a religion. You're right. We have always uh, lived for football. Uh, my father uh, is 84 and he is watching football all the time, every every day. I have children and I prefer that my children focus on, uh, for example, football and have, uh, you know, uh, this dream and this interest uh, more than uh, other things that you can see or now nowadays you know yeah absolutely keep, keep them off the computers and phones yeah. and ipads and everything else gerald thank you so much for coming on afternoon sport it's it's been a real insight i really appreciate it thank you very much and uh i hope you you will uh, succeed in uh, in football in australia too huh? That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. Big thank you today to Rob Tanner, to Jaslyn Hewitt, and to Gerald Passy. Thank you also to Spartan Sports. Yeah, www.spartansportshq.com. And the great man, our producer, Dan McHugh. Back tomorrow with your daily dose of sports. See you then. See you then, guys. Take care.